I'd invite you to take your Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. We want to focus now our attention on the Word of God. Matthew chapter 28. We'll just read the first six verses. Now, after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he has he was laying. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for this precious announcement, this passage that records for us um, the declaration of the resurrection of our Savior. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray, Lord, as we unpack this a little bit and just look at what you've done for us, I pray that our hearts would be blessed. But, Lord, help us to go away with understanding and clarity, but uh, living in light of eternity. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, everyone knows, and it's common knowledge, that death is certain. We, we will never cheat death, none of us. Unless Christ comes back first, we will all die, whether we like it or not. It's not a very popular thing to say. It's not a fun thing to say, but we will not escape death. Now, the great uh, escape artist, uh, Harry Houdini, said that he was going to cheat death, right? And he had arranged that uh, a year after that he, after he died, after his death, he was going to come back and so they had a seance and you probably know the story there but he didn't show up didn't he wasn't there right he could not cheat death why because no one can cheat death and and it's again it's common knowledge and yet here we are celebrating on resurrection sunday the resurrection of our savior and we do it year after year we don't even hesitate in spite of what we see, in spite of what we know to be true that death is victorious, there's one man, one person that cheated death, and that was Christ. In fact, he not just cheated death, he was victorious over it. He conquered death. And that's the core of Christianity. That's the core of what we believe. And that's the cause of celebration today. That's why we're here to celebrate on Easter Sunday morning now the world would look at us and say why would you even why would you um, celebrate the resurrection nobody has ever raised from the dead there's no life after death and and how gullible are you and you must be fearful people and maybe weak constitution maybe a little touched in the head and you just need a crutch to stand on and so you have this hope for life, just to get you through life, this this hope in in kind of a fairy tale, 
And the true atheists would come along and say, well, really, there, there is no hope, and you don't really need a hope. You just need to face reality, and you just need to grow up, and there's no life after death, there's nothing after death, and you just need to be an adult and be happy with the fact that we can leave a memory uh, for our children and maybe even be in the history books or something like that. Folks, that's a lie from Satan. There is a life after death. There is a resurrection from the dead. The, the, the whole philosophy of eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. There's nothing else after. There's no judgment after that. That's a lie that's very, very prevalent and increasing today. And we, we see that. They would say we don't need to believe in God. We just need to stand on our own two feet, face that reality, and stop looking at the fairy tales of Scripture because truth is just what we see. It's what you can see. It's from the scientists. They will tell us what is true and what is not true. But I just disagree with that. I disagree with that. Just because we can't see something doesn't mean that it's not real, that it's not true. In fact, I think this is where the, the world is a little inconsistent. I think they're hypocritical in this area. Because the leading scientists of the day would say that the universe came into existence by random chance processes, a, uh, uh, a concentration of toxic gases and uh, molecules. They kind of collided one day and, and created everything that we know today, all the physical universe that we see today. Now, that to me is just hard to believe. Something we don't see is something they don't see, but yet they believe in that. The, the scientists of the world would say that they would have us buy into the fact that then out of that creation of uh, this stuff, this, th- that from this ooze there, there came a being from just a, a few organic cells We developed a physical body, and they would have us to believe in evolution. This human, this complex human machine came from very simple uh, cells and and morphed into this complex machine that we see as the human body today. And they don't have any evidence of cross, uh, of one thing, uh, really of uh, evolution in general, but especially crossing species. There's no way that cells, single-cell organisms could have developed into complex human beings that we see today. Again, that's hard to believe. But they would have us to believe it, even though we don't see it. And again, I just think it's hard to believe. They would go on and say then that those these complex physical bodies, just the physical bodies, were really no different from the animals. But somehow we these complex physical bodies attained self-awareness. And developed a, a conscience, emotions, intelligence, and a, a will, and, and even a, a conscience to be able to tell right from wrong, and, and, and developed a, a order of logic and thought and communication and even self-government. And that just came from nothing. So, so they don't really see it, but they believe that this happened. And that's just as much of a strong belief as we would believe in the resurrection. To me, that's hard to believe. And it's easier for me to just believe in the resurrection of the one who created life. I mean, that makes more sense than all of these three combined. When you put these things together, 
Even one of them is hard to believe it. When you put them all together, it's statistically, it's impossible, right? Just impossible. That everything came from nothing or no one, and it's easier to believe, folks, in a resurrection. And as Christians, then, we look at the world and we say, we say, why would you reject the truth? Why would you not believe in a resurrection? And why would you buy into Satan's lies? Um, but through that, this whole philosophy that we have two different worldviews, we have two different narratives going on in our society today, two different contexts, and that is sin. That, that's sin. To exclude God from our worldview, from our narrative, from our context, and to just create a whole new context, a whole new worldview is, is sin. Every life and every thought and every action and every feeling, folks, is to be lived in the context of an existing, living, true and holy God. And they're creating this world that really is a fantasy land that does not exist. And we as Christians, we have the job to, to pull down those thoughts. Paul says, and those uh, lofty thoughts that would raise above the knowledge of God, the speculation. And we really just try to take away those arguments because they're, they're based on nothing but empty faith, empty faith. Now, we, we can't take the world and we can't force the world to look at the evidence of a resurrection of Jesus Christ and, and, and cause them to believe. I mean, that's not the way it works. It didn't work in my life that way, and it doesn't work in your life either. We didn't go to the empty tomb and see the, the, the shrine of, of Terran. We didn't read all the historical books and come to the conclusion that uh, all of the evidence points to Christ, so I'm going to believe in Christ. Salvation doesn't just come from looking at the evidence. It's not really the way it works. It comes from belief. It comes from me recognizing that I need a redeemer. Now that's important. That I need a redeemer. And there's plenty of evidence in my own life that I see that, that I know that. I see my faults. And the Lord has exposed me to my own sinfulness, my own rebellious heart in front of a living and holy God. And, and that yielded then repentance. That yielded faith and belief in our Lord Jesus Christ. Belief in that Redeemer because I knew within my own self that I was a sinful person. So we don't believe in a resurrection because of the overwhelming evidence. Now there is evidence. But like Job, before the Word was written, before there was... Uh, much of the history that we know now, before Christ came, Job said, I know my Redeemer liveth. And folks, that's the way we are. We know that our Redeemer lives. We say with the songwriter, I know that He is living whatever men may say. Right? Now, here's the deal. Here's the, the danger. Sometimes... Sometimes doubts creep in to our thinking. And maybe there is no life after death. And, and maybe when we're trying to fit into the world, we're a little 
fearful that maybe maybe you were wrong, maybe we were mistaken, maybe we didn't hear right, or maybe we we lose confidence a little bit and lose hope and and become like Thomas and and doubt. Um, but folks, we believe in a resurrection. Sometimes we need, though, the encouragement of the Word of God. Sometimes we need to go to the Word of God and reassure our hearts when Satan would tempt us to, to believe those things at the Word. And so I, I encourage us, look at this passage today. Just six verses. Now, there's a, a few things I want us to notice about this passage. Some observations real quick before we get into the passage. Uh, it first reads, when you read this, it sounds fairy tale-ish. Okay? It sounds like a Hollywood scene. You have an earthquake, an angel, and and you, he looks like lightning, bright as, bright as lightning and, and white as snow. And you have these guards, they're, they just stiffen up in fear, petrified. And, and it's, it seems almost unbelievable, a little hard to believe, like drama or, or like a, a fairy tale or just trying to be flashy or sensationalizing this thing. But that would be counterproductive to what Matthew is trying to do. He is, he is just recording for us. Matthew is a facts kind of guy. He is a tax collector. And he's gathered the facts as he knows them. He lays them out for us. He's about facts, not fluff. And that's just Matthew. When you read, that's what you begin to see. He's not trying to impress us. He's not trying to prove anything. He's not trying to give us a whole bunch of evidence here. He's not trying to sensationalize. He's simply recording for us the resurrection that points to a Redeemer. That points to a Redeemer. The redemption of mankind. And, but that, that's the way it is with an incredible God. There is, there is the sensationalism. There is the, the, the incredible Another thing that I want us to notice here that these are ladies and these um, ladies, though, did not come to look for the resurrected Christ. (laughs) They came to to visit the grave. In fact, when we compare other gospels, we find that they were coming to anoint the the body of Christ. They, They were not there. Trying, they were not there to see the resurrected Christ. They were really, uh, Matthew is pointing out their lack of faith. They were kind of shocked. They, they were expecting to see a dead body. They were not anticipating a resurrected Christ. They were not resting secure in their faith in what Jesus said. In fact, the angel points that out, doesn't he? Just as he said. They were, they were a little skeptical. They were a little doubtful. And that's exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes the world's ideas creep in and, and maybe the disciples and maybe these ladies were saying to themselves, we've been duped here. This guy meant well. We believe in this guy, but, but man, he just couldn't pull it off. The Romans win again or, or maybe the Jews win again. And so they're a little bewildered. And folks, that's when Satan likes to attack the most. When we're bewildered. When we're a little confused. And when we have to combat what the world believes. And and we put ourselves out there. And we, we look like the fool for believing in a resurrection. Believing in a life after death. And that's not the time for compromise. That's not the time to be skeptical and 
and hesitate. The Bible... Another thing, though, that I want you to notice about this passage is that God announced to the ladies. This is interesting because I just doing some reading on this and there's different views. Why, why would the Lord announce this uh, to the ladies, announce his resurrection to the ladies first? Some say, that well, it's, uh, God uh, chose the weak things of this world to confound the strong. Sometimes uh, some of them would say that it's the the rewards of these ladies' efforts and all of the faith that they've, uh, faithfulness, faithful service that they've put in. Or some believe that uh, since um, death came from Eve in the garden, then uh, this announcement to new life will come through these, these ladies. Or, or maybe some would say that the deepest sorrow deserves the deepest joy, and so they get to know first. But the reality is, is they were just there, right? Whoever was there, whoever came, it is a very practical thing. They, they were just there. They, they came and they are the ones who got to hear the announcement first. Just because, just because they were there. Now, something I want you to notice about these ladies and combining those two points is this, this fact that they were they were given us this information because they were there. Maybe they were doubtful, maybe they were fearful, but at least they came, right? At least they, they showed up. And it was their love and commitment to their Messiah, to, to Christ, that overwhelmed any doubt and any fear and any skepticism that may be lurking in the back of their mind. It was their love for Christ and their commitment to Him. We're going to at least... Uh, anoint his body. We're going to be there. And, and, and that love and that commitment to them overshadowed any kind of doubt and fear. Now, folks, that's a good principle for us. We'll come back to that. One last thing that I want you to notice. that The point of the passage is not about the ladies. It's not about really the angel. It's not about the soldiers. And we can look at all of those things. The main point of this passage is leading up to the angel's announcement. And that is, that is one central message. And that's the point is that he is not here for he has risen just as he said. Now that's the point. And Matthew wants us to, to see that. He kind of builds up to this one thing that he's not here. There's a verification. He has risen from the dead. And Matthew records that for us. That's a wonderful point. That gives hope. That gives hope. They didn't have that. They saw him die on the cross. They see. They saw him put being put into a tomb, and and boy, it looks bad. And so doubts creep in, and and fears creep in. But the reality is, is that he was not there, for he, he had risen. So we don't miss the point of this passage. But here's the principle. Here's the principle. As believers, our love and commitment to Christ, our Redeemer, often it will drive us to overcome the doubts and the fears and the insecurities of this world. Now, get that well. Get that well. You need to understand that. The believer, as believers, our doubts, I'm sorry, as believers, our love and commitment to Christ, uh, our Redeemer, often drives us to overcome the doubts and insecurities. 
Now we need that. Folks, when the world, when the world is pressing in on us to, to buy into their worldview, to buy into their Satan's, essentially Satan's lies, and they've got evidence, they've got scientists here and there, and it's easy, it'd be easy for us to cave. And sometimes, folks, it just comes down to our love and our commitment to our Redeemer. I say, why, why would we ever doubt? How can, we, how can we have this confident faith all the time? How can we go through these difficult times? Or put it in reverse, why do we doubt? Why is it that sometimes we are like Thomas, saying, I, I, wanna, I have to see the nail prints in his hand. I have to put my hand in his, his side. Why are those lingering doubts and, and lack of faith Lazarus' sister kind of summed it up. She said this. She said, I believe, Lord, help thou my unbelief. We believe, we, we commit ourselves, our love for our Messiah says, yes, we do. But, but Lord, help our unbelief. And so when those doubts linger, what do we do? We turn to the Word of God. And it solidifies our hearts. And it reminds us that we have a risen Savior now, let me give you three benefits, just real quick, of the, of, the, uh, of the resurrection. Just to assure our hearts today, just to encourage our hearts today. The, the announcement here, the, the story of the redemption of man, it comes down to this one announcement from this angel that he is not here, for he is risen. And that's the story, that's the narrative. We have a risen Savior here. Why would we doubt? Why would we doubt? Let me give you three little points here. To deny the resurrection of, of Christ is to deny what we know is true in our own hearts. Now, now get this well. Folks, this will be the source of encouragement in those dark nights. Get this well. And if, in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, I'm sorry, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, there's a verse that uh, uh, Solomon just mentions in Ecclesiastes 4.11, he says, He has made everything appropriate in its time. And then he says this, He has also set eternity in their hearts. He set eternity in their hearts. In each of us, folks, there's a sense of, of knowing eternal life. That we're made for something greater, for something bigger. We have the we have spiritual beings. We are spiritual beings. Not uh, this physical world is not all that there is. We are the image of God is stamped of a living God is stamped on our life. We are built for a relationship with the spiritual God. Know that well. We're built for relationship. With the spiritual God, let me show you a couple of verses in Romans chapter one. This is this is the place to go for this. Even the world knows these things. We should know them in our own hearts. But I'll just point out what Rome, what Paul said in Romans chapter one, verse eighteen: For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which is known about God is evident within them. That's literally what it says. It's evident within them. 
Within their person, just the the fact that they're spiritual beings living in a physical body, that should give testimony that this is outside themselves, that God has placed them in in this physical body. It goes on to say, For God made it evident to them, for since the creation of the world, His invisible attributes... His eternal power and divine nature has been clearly seen. We can see His creation. We see that. And we can conclude then that there is a God. He goes on to say, clearly uh, evident what is made, uh, by what is made, so that they may, they are without excuse. Verse 21, for even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God. Now, so, so there's a sense in which we know that there is a God. There's a sense in, in which we know our, our inner souls long for that relationship with a God. And so what you have is, is every nation, every culture in the world, they, they worship something. And it's because this inner drive, this, this knowledge, this awareness that, that there's something greater out there. And we are made for a relationship with a living God. Jesus said in his high priestly prayer in John chapter 17, verse 3, he says, this is eternal life, that they may know you. It's knowledge of God. That they may know you, the only true and living, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's powerful. Folks, there's a soul in every one of us and it cries out to have a relationship with, with our God, with our Creator. We're built for that. We're built that way. And so this knowledge is, is not empirical knowledge, not something that we have to be even told by Scripture. It is there in Scripture, but it's something subjective. It's a priori. It's almost intuitive. It's like when you put your hand in a glove. You, you recognize that fits. Or when you go home, you, you recognize it feels comfortable to you and say, yeah, this is home. Our souls long for a relationship. Why? Because we have eternity stamped on our hearts, a relationship with an eternal God, and we just come home. We just come home. And the thing is, is an unsaved world, even the unsaved world, even the unsaved world recognize this, and they spend their whole life rejecting that truth. They reject that truth. And we as Christians, we live in light of that truth. We live in light of the fact that we're built for eternity. That there's more than just this physical physical world, this physical earth. In fact, death is just a... It it's, doesn't even belong. We're built for eternity. So how do we apply this just quickly? Number one, we have to prepare. There's either heaven or there's hell. And, and eternity is a long time. And so we have to prepare. Number two, as, as believers, what we have to do is we have to live in light. Live in light of this truth. Live in light of, of the fact that we are eternal beings. Doubt is inappropriate. We just look in ourselves and we know, we know that we are built for a relationship with God. And so we are to enjoy that walk. The Bible calls it a walk with God. There's a reality to that that we know. So we, we, to deny the resurrection is to deny that we 
know the truth within our own hearts. Number two, to deny the resurrection is to deny the very purpose of God's redemptive plan. God has a plan. And and, and that plan is to redeem for himself a people. The resurrection is core to that plan. It's the key to that plan. That's what makes the whole thing make sense. Without it, Christianity doesn't make sense. The whole point of the resurrection is to redeem a people for God. Now, let me give you some of the benefits. We're going to put these on the screen here. There's five of them. We'll just go through them quickly. Number one, the resurrection confirms the identity of our Redeemer. Okay? Now, think about this. It confirms the, re- the identity of our Redeemer. We see this declaration in Romans chapter 1, verse 4, who has declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. He was declared that. Why? Based upon the power that He demonstrated and the, God put the, the title on Him, the Son of Man. And He was declared that. So that means to us, that's our Redeemer. He's the one that can save us. There's a lot of things that unify the world, sometimes riches, sometimes poverty, sometimes it's, it's hatred for the rich that unifies us. But we are unified by one thing, folks, and, and that's our Redeemer. One Redeemer, Christ. Christ. And, and the resurrection identifies Him. And, and we look at Him and we say, that's the one I follow. That's the one that I will uh, pattern my life after. Number two, the resurrection gives us confidence. Gives us confidence that Christ's substitutionary atonement was accepted by the Father. How do we know that Christ's death was enough? I mean, if he just stayed in the grave, we would never know. But his resurrection proved that the Father approved of that. We can look at um, Romans chapter 4, verse 25. It just it translates to us as security. It's our justification because he, he rose from the dead. He, he took care of our sins at, at his death, but his resurrection assured us of, of justification. Also, Christ's resurrection guarantees the future resurrection. This was mentioned to us earlier. In Romans chapter 6, there's a, a great passage. Romans chapter 6, verse 3. Or do you not know that you have been baptized into Christ Jesus, having been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father... So we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we will be in the likeness of his resurrection. It it translates to us, folks, is that we are going to be like him. If we are in Christ and we died in him, we will certainly be raised with him. It's not, not hard to follow. Not hard to follow. It just means that we have a home in heaven, folks. We're going to be with him he is our Messiah. We follow Him now. He is our Redeemer. We, we follow Him now. We follow Him all the way to, to heaven. Plenty of Scripture to back that up. Number four, the resurrection demonstrates the power that affirms the spiritual blessings that we have. In Ephesians chapter 1, we see that. And it proves to us that He can do it, folks. 
Christ raised from the dead proves that He can do it. He can produce within us life. There's one last verse that I want you to that I want to uh, read for you in Acts chapter 17. Now this is kind of sobering. The resurrection did this. This affirmed uh, the the judgment, the final judgment in Acts chapter 17, verse 31. Paul was talking to the people, the men on Mars Hill, and he says this: because he was, he has fixed a day, which he now this is God fixed a day, which he will judge the world in righteousness. Now, how do we know that that's going to happen? How can we verify that that's going to happen? He goes on to say. The word in righteousness, he's going to judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed from, from furnished, uh, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Now, that's just singling Christ out. Raised him from the dead. And he's going to be the judge. Now, just think about that. He's given, of course, a warning here. It's a warning to the world before us. This is our Redeemer. And He is also our judge. He redeemed us. He's going to make sure that we get all of the blessings. He's going to make sure that we get into heaven. We are with Him. This just points to our Redeemer. It points to our Redeemer. That's the message of of Matthew chapter 28. It's just pointing to a resurrected Savior. Pointing uh, to a believer or a a Redeemer that that successfully did what He set out to do. Folks, this is just the Gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection. And to deny that is to deny that God has a plan to redeem man. God's plan is a plan of grace. It's a plan of grace. It's nothing earned. It's just a gift. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It's just a gift. And it displays His grace. It puts His grace on display. Now, here's... Let's apply this. As There's, there's no such thing as a hopeless Christian. There's sometimes we go around and and the, the world's ideas kind of seep into our mind. There's no life after death. There's no resurrection. And that produces hopelessness in us. And that's a paradox. It's like being a millionaire but living like you're impoverished. Or like having electricity and then still living by candlelight. It just doesn't, doesn't compute. It doesn't make sense. We are exuberant Christians. We have life. We have hope. We have purpose. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because of the grace of God in our life. And when we live through that hope, when we live, then God gets the glory. His grace is on display in our life. But when we live with no hope, when we live without that hope, then that grace is just diminished in the world's eyes. And we have to be careful to deny the, to deny the resurrection of, of Jesus Christ is to deny God's redemptive plan. Let me give you just one more. And this is, this is the glorious one. To deny the resurrection is to deny Christ's glory. To deny the resurrection is to deny Christ's glory as a Redeemer. Let me show you. There's verses on the screen there. Go back to our Matthew passage. Matthew chapter 28. He says in verse 6, He is not here for He is risen. He is risen just as He said. 
Jesus, Jesus told people, and, and they were to register that in their mind. And, and he was going to point this out. He wanted people to know that he was going to rise from the dead. And he told people beforehand, the disciples should have seen this. The disciples should have known. In fact, he, in John chapter 2, we see him taunting the scribes and the Pharisees to destroy this temple and I'll raise it up in three days. In John chapter 10, he says, I don't, you don't take my life from me. I lay it down and I have power to take it up again. And he lived with confidence. He raised Lazarus from the dead. He has said he is the resurrection and the life. He claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. And he was to get all of this glory. And in his high priestly prayer, again, in John chapter 17 and verse 5, let me read you this. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world. He was going to be raised. And he wanted that glory to, to be returned. And folks, when we do not live, and when we doubt the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we diminish that, that glory. Imagine the disciples being there at the tomb, anticipating, hey, Christ said that I'm going to be there three days. Boy, I'm going to be right there. When he comes out of that tomb, I'm going to see this. That's faith. And God's glory, Christ's glory would be just uh, just explode with, with, with glory. He is the champion of this story. He is the hero. He is the one that restored life to us after sin has robbed us of that life. He's the, he's the conqueror. He's the victor. He's the uh, champion in God's plan. And He is to be glorified. And this is the day to glorify Him. And to put His glory on display. That's what God wants. To put His glory, the glory of His Son on display. And it points to a, a glorious Redeemer. But listen, Satan loves to diminish the glory of Christ. He loves when, when the disciples didn't, didn't bother to come out. He, he loves to, to put doubts in our minds. He, he loves to, to tempt us to just be wallowing in self-pity and to have no hope and, and to kind of buy into the world's hopelessness. I mean, the professor, professionals, they, they say this, and we, it's easy to buy into it. And in doing so, folks, we undermine our own hope. And in those dark times, and folks, we've come through a dark year with COVID, of loneliness, loneliness. And in our own hearts and our own minds, we know we're made for greater things. We have a relationship with a, a living, a true and living God, and and that He loves us and He has redeemed us and He's demonstrating His grace. He has a plan of salvation, a plan to redeem men. And, and then we know that Christ had the power to come out of that grave and we exalt Him and He is to be exalted. And as believers, our love and our commitment to Christ, our, our Redeemer, folks, it will drive us to overcome those doubts. Those times of, of, of skepticism, those times when the world is pressing in and, and pressing hard on us to believe like they do and to conform like them. And, 
Those doubts just linger and insecurities and Satan's lies are just pumping out. We go to the word of God and we see he is not here for he has risen. And we say, that's my redeemer. That's my savior. That's the one that I'm going to follow. Folks, we live in a very cynical world, very cynical age. An age that will tell you there's no life after death, but we know better from Scripture. We have a Redeemer, Christ. We follow Him. We serve a risen Savior, the song says. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I thank You. I thank You for the plan of salvation. The plan to to redeem for Yourself a people for Your own choosing so that we would worship You. And Lord, we're here today to worship You, to point people to You. Lord, may there not be the lingering doubts in our life. Maybe, may, may we overcome those lingering doubts, Lord, when they are there. Just the facts of the Word of God, with the truth of knowing within our own heart that we were built for something greater, for something bigger that cannot even be squelched. Lord, we thank You for the hope that we have in Christ. Lord, You're so such a wonderful God. And we thank You. I pray that You would bless the remainder of our day as we just celebrate, Lord, the, the resurrection of our Savior. I thank You for this special time Today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.